Section four of Hildebrand and His Times by William Richard Ward Stevens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter three Progress of the Reforming Movement. The Pontificate of Leo the Ninth, ten forty seven to fifty four. Part one. Whilst the Emperor had been asserting his authority in Italy, rebellion had broken out behind him north of the alps amongst the nobles who had resented his strong rule godfrey duke of lotharingia was the leader of the insurgents and before the emperor could attack them godfrey had taken nijmegen and verdun and laid siege to lutich liege where he was kept in check by the bishop the insurrection happening just when henry seemed to have reached the height of his power was a blow to his happiness and hopes and a very real cause of anxiety and alarm it was impossible to forecast how far the spirit of revolt might spread boniface marquis of tuscany the most powerful noble in italy was found to be in league with the malcontents in germany an alliance which instantly gave a shock to the settlement which henry had made with the lombards and normans just at this critical moment pope clement died on october ninth ten forty seven envoys were dispatched from rome to the emperor begging him to appoint a successor but the tusculan faction took advantage of the interval to reassert their power and actually replaced their creature benedict in the papal chair henry nominated popo bishop of brixen a native of bavaria who had accompanied him to italy and boniface of tuscany was directed to conduct the new pope to rome january twenty fifth ten forty eight but the sympathies of boniface were with the tusculan counts as well as the german insurgents and he refused to obey the order henry saw there was imminent risk of a network of rebellion spreading all round him by a series of prompt and skilful movements he divided the confederates and thwarted their plans boniface no longer dared to obey he procured the removal of benedict and conducted the pope-elect to rome where he was consecrated in st peter's on july seventeenth under the name of damasus the second in less than a month however the summer heat in rome had proved fatal to the german pope as it was destined to be to so many thousands of his countrymen there were rumours that he and his predecessor had been poisoned and it is not surprising that such sinister tales however ill-founded in addition to the natural difficulties and perils of the situation increased the reluctance of northern prelates to accept the papacy once more however the emperor was asked to fill the vacancy a strong man in every sense of the word was needed for the office and happily such a man was not wanting at this moment bruno bishop of toul was the model of a mediaeval prelate at once scholar soldier politician and saint he was fitted to play the part according to circumstances of general or statesman abbot bishop or pope he was a kinsman of the emperor and had been well educated at the cathedral school of toul but early in his youth resided chiefly at the court of the emperor conrad where his goodness and cleverness combined with a handsome face and a stately figure made him a general favourite in ten twenty five at the age of twenty-three he was ordained deacon by the bishop of toul 
and soon afterwards was sent in command of the troops furnished by the bishop for the emperor conrad's expedition to put down a rebellion at milan his military talents excited the admiration of the emperor and of the whole army whilst he was in lombardy herman bishop of toul died the clergy and people unanimously elected bruno and sent an urgent request to the emperor to confirm their choice conrad had destined him for high preferment and was unwilling to send him to a poor and distant bishopric exposed to some perils on the frontier of his kingdom but bruno thought that in the poverty of the sea and the freedom of the election he saw a divine call to accept the office and having obtained the emperor's consent he took his departure crossed the alps after narrowly escaping capture by the enemy and arrived at toul on ascension day ten twenty seven his diocese soon felt the vigour of his administration simony was checked and the monasteries rigorously reformed on the pattern of cluny he did good service also to the empire by negotiating a peace between conrad and henry i king of france in ten thirty two a task for which he was well fitted by his familiarity with the tongues of germany and gaul as well as by his uprightness and practical wisdom which secured him general respect he stood firmly by henry the third in his contest with duke godfrey and it was probably through his influence that most of the lotharingian prelates remained faithful to the emperor he also paid a visit to the king of france and arranged terms of peace between him and henry which deprived godfrey of his hopes of support from french arms such was the man whom the emperor now selected to fill the papal chair the nomination took place at Worms, where henry was keeping christmas ten forty eight after three days spent in fasting and prayer bruno yielded a reluctant consent but he stipulated that the appointment should be ratified by the free choice of the roman clergy and people until this should be obtained he refused to assume any pontifical state on his way through burgundy he visited cluny and probably at the suggestion or command of hugh the prior hildebrand was appointed to accompany him to rome hildebrand tells us that unwilling as he had been to leave italy he was now more unwilling to return but his heart was soon won by the demeanour of bruno who travelled in the guise of a humble pilgrim and the journey was not devoid of the marvellous incidents which according to bruno's biographer attested his sanctity wherever he went celestial music was heard and the swollen waters of the teverone subsided to let the travellers pass over as they drew near rome they were met by a great concourse of people and clergy bruno entered the city barefoot and professed himself ready to return if his appointment was not agreeable to them loud acclamations left no doubt of their approval and on february twelfth ten forty nine he was consecrated pope under the name of leo the ninth the short pontificates of his two predecessors and the long vacancies between them had brought the affairs of the papacy into a state of sad confusion but leo was equal to the task of evolving order out of chaos and he was seconded by a minister as courageous and astute as himself the active career of hildebrand begins from this point leo made him a cardinal subdeacon and entrusted to him the chief supervision of finance the exchequer was almost empty 
but some timely offerings from the rich nobles of benevento relieved immediate needs and further funds were raised through the dealings of hildebrand with benedict a rich converted jew by making friends with the popular leaders in the trastavering quarter by careful husbanding of his resources and judicious gifts added to the weight of his personal influence hildebrand won the whole city over to the pope even the tusculan faction dissembled their chagrin and affected acquiescence by leo he was also appointed abbot of st paul's where he introduced rigorous reforms not before they were needed if the tales be true that women waited on the monks in the refectory and cattle were stabled in the church leo was in a literal sense the most active pontiff who had ever occupied the papal chair for he made his power felt in all parts of christendom by personal visits when possible rather than by legates and letters and in some sense he became all things to all men in monasteries he appeared as the devout pilgrim or preached to congregations of poor folk in the garb of a humble monk or cast himself as a penitent prostrate before some sacred shrine but in making a journey to consecrate a church or translate the relics of a saint he rode and stayed on horseback surrounded by a brilliant retinue of clergy and nobles miracles were supposed to be wrought by him wherever he went over birds and beasts he exercised a magical power a parrot presented to him by the king of denmark was said to have uttered his name as soon as he saw him without previous training and a cock at benevento displayed the same singular discernment the fame of his wonder-working powers joined to his genuine piety and goodness increased the reverence with which men beheld him when he presided in full pontifical state at the great synods in which decrees were passed for the reformation of the church in his first synod held in rome at easter ten forty nine and another held at whitsuntide in pavia an attempt was made to put down simony and the marriage of the clergy by a decree that all clergy implicated in simoniacal transactions even if they had merely been ordained by bishops simoniacally appointed should be degraded from their order but it was found that such a remedy was too drastic for the times as it would have involved the deprivation of more than half the clergy of italy and a consequent suspension of all religious offices leo therefore fell back upon a milder measure after making a full confession and submitting to penance offenders might resume their functions decrees were also passed prohibiting marriage of the clergy but now and for many years to come such decrees were practically futile from pavia leo went to germany he joined the emperor in saxony and with him entered Köln in great state when he invested the archbishop with the office of archchancellor of the apostolic see and excommunicated the rebellious godfrey of lotharingia who was humbled to the dust by the blow the duke prostrated himself before the emperor and pope at aachen and obtained a pardon but not the restoration of his duchy he then went to verdun and received a scourging before the altar of the ruined church which he not only undertook to repair but laboured in the work with his own hands leo purposed to make his authority felt in gaul no less than in germany and the clergy were summoned to a great council to be held at Reims on october first the festival of st remigius when the pope proposed to translate the relics of the saint and consecrate the abbey church 
more than a hundred years had passed since a pope had entered french territory and in the interval the pretensions of the papacy to ecumenical power had vastly increased the prospect of the gallican church being subjected to a german pope the nominee and intimate friend of the german emperor was viewed with jealousy and alarm by king henry i he refused to attend the council and he tried to hinder the attendance of the higher clergy by calling out his military array for an expedition against some rebel vassals but the pope was firm the clergy shrank from disobeying his citation and the king made the best of what he could not help by formally excusing some of the prelates from attendance on his expedition on october first therefore the abbey church of st remigius was hallowed with great pomp both the church and the great atrium in front were thronged with people to whom the pope preached from a balcony the relics of the saint were carried to the cathedral church round the town and back to the abbey followed by tumultuous crowds End of section four